Rock 104, North Central Florida's home of rock and roll with Sammy Hagar. There's only one way to rock. Before that, the Thompson Twins, and then six songs from Billy Joel's Nylon Curtain album, some early 80s obscure metal like Greg Jafria. Then we play the Hooters, All You Zombies, a couple of David and David songs for good measure. I'm heading over to the islands tonight. Rumor has it Tom Petty is going to warm up and do some songs on stage. Everybody in the planet's going to say they were there, but there were only a few of us. Harold Minch is up next. Go Gators. Yes. Awesome. Very nice. <laughs> yes. Very nice. Still got it. Oh, my. well, still got it. I just got off the air. I did my own show. Today. <laughs> what are you, I've been on the air for 40 friggin' years. Oh, did, my God. I'm old. Did Tom Petty ever show up? Oh, one of the greatest stories in history. There was a bar downtown. When I first got to Gainesville, it was called Nichols Alley. Uh, I was there in 81. And then Nichols Alley closed. These guys came in and they created the world's first all video bars at the onset of MTV. So the bar was a you know, big stage, live music, but there were giant video screens. This guy named Mark Panunzio was the VJ at the time, and he played all these videos. Well, I knew the guys, and I got the rumor was that Tom Petty was working on some new songs, and he wanted to come in. And, and so if you were there, you were there. They weren't going to let anyone in. They honestly, they chained the door shut, and then all of a sudden, lights went out. And Tom Petty walked on stage. Hey, man, I'm going to wow. do this. I was the like, and it's funny because I was there, and and so was the Rich Fields and some of the other Rock 104 guys. And uh, I, now to this day, everybody in Gainesville that ever graduated in the '80s was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that story goes. Yeah, of course. So we are with Paul Castronovo today. Uh, really appreciate you joining us. Uh, such a treat. That's why an don't honor. we? Why don't we start with? Uh, before you got to UF, did you grow up in Florida? Yeah. Tell us how you got up. Lake to Worth, right? I went to Lake Worth uh, High School. I was born in Brooklyn, New York, but uh, we moved to Florida in in 71 after the Mets won the series in 69. Family said, we've seen enough. and move, <laughs> Let's move to a state where there's no baseball. And uh, it was literally the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. I, you know, I, I, I talk about many different things, you know, but but moving to Florida was probably the best thing that ever happened because if I hadn't gone to Florida, I never would have ended up at UF and who knows what I would have become. So yeah, we moved to Florida and, um, you know, in high school, I didn't know what I was going to be. I was an athlete and whatnot, and, but I did the morning announcements. I was class president for three years. I was one of those guys and I did the morning announcements and every day on the air during the announcements, I imitated the DJs, the morning show hosts on WSHE. Now, I graduated high school in 78. So in the seventies, the DJs talk like this, man, like WSHE, you know, quad 103. So I would try to imitate the DJs on she and the girl that did the announcements with me hated it. I drove her crazy. Needless to say, never got laid there. But um, <laughs> so that it's interesting. I always was going to be in entertainment. I, I thought maybe I would end up on Saturday Night Live, but um, that didn't work out. That didn't. I, but I, but I, there was a, a I thought I had a path and I'll explain as we move forward. So. You get up to Gainesville in 78? No, 79? no, no. I graduated in 78. I went to Palm Beach Community College uh, for a couple of years to get my grades up, <laughs> like many of us. And then uh, all my buddies were going to Florida, and I'm like, I'm going. So I took a bunch of easy classes and got, had, you know, I got straight A's, got the grade point average up, and they took me. And I moved into Gatorwood Apartments, where I thought I was going into pre-law, which is, you know, I remember the conversation. Uh, well, even the even the best lawyers make thirty grand, and um, that was with my father and his buddy. And uh, I'm like, okay, I'll be in pre-law. I moved in, and I'm the first day in Gainesville. I met my upstairs neighbor, and my upstairs neighbor was doing the afternoon show on Rock 104, 
uh, Rich Fields. And Spano, you probably remember that name. You know, Rich went on to fame and fortune as the announcer on The Price is Right. Come on down, it's a new car. And so through many beers and and, and countless amounts of joints, uh, Rich was like, you want to be in broadcasting? Then you need to come down to the radio station and check it out. Well, the minute I saw all the microphones and the studio and all that, I was like, well, this is all I've got. This is it. This is what I'm going to do. But I wanted to be on TV. So I kind of weaseled my way into the journalism school and I decided that's what I'm going to do. And I got in there and I went to the TV station. And I said, I want to be a TV reporter or something. I want to be on camera. And they're like, okay, go out and get a story. Here's a camera and, uh, and, and go get this. So I guess it was me and a cameraman and I would bring a story back. And, and I remember the news director, can't remember his name, would say stuff like, why is the camera on you? <laughs> you know, and I was doing these comedic, funny little vignettes. Uh, I would like, I would go out and do lifestyle stuff. And the news director was like, why are you trying to be funny? I go, I don't know. That's all I know how to do. <laughs> and, and piece after piece, finally he says, all right, come with me. We get in the elevator. He goes to the third floor and he walks me into Harry Gescott's office. And he says, I got one for you. And I swear to God, that is how my radio, I got goosebumps thinking about it because it's been a 40 year blessing. Really? Did you, did you have any uh, regrets at that point? Were, were you like, no, 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 no. I, I want to do TV or, yeah. you know, this is not what I want to do. I, I, years later, I had some regret, even though I did <laughs> tremendous in my career, but I always thought, you know, if this news director had any insight, he could have said, you know, this guy could be a filmmaker. He could be doing some really clever stuff. Why don't we, and I, you know, I, I, I a couple of years back, they put me in the uh, Journalism School Hall of Fame, and it got me a voice with uh, the deans and, and the people in the higher-ups, and I, I argue with them a lot because they don't offer that in the journalism school. They offer news, and they offer sports, and that's it. And I said, there's a lot more opportunities in television to host. You know, look at what Bourdain became, look at HGTV and all these little, but no one teaches how to become a host. What happens is more often than not, stand-up comedians get those gigs, you know, and my son just graduated from journalism school. And now he went, he went into real estate building into construction. Cause he's like, I don't, I don't know what the path in journalism school is anymore. Sadly. So how does that meeting with Harry go? Cause everybody, everybody's oh, got yeah, a yeah. Harry, um, I was like, I want to be on the rock station with my buddy, Rich Fields. And uh, they were like, okay, well, you're going to start on WRUF AM on Christmas Eve. And uh, like many of us, uh, it was a, it was a uh, music of your life. What would you call it? It was like, here's the Ray Conniff singers. And it was, oh God, it was God awful music. That was like even stuff that my parents wouldn't have listened to. And, um, but thankfully Rich, who was doing the afternoon show at the time, this was during the era of uh, General Hospital. And, and General Hospital was the hottest thing. I mean, they had watch parties all over campus back in you know, 81, 82, 83. This was back when Luke and Laura, it was a big deal. So I would watch General Hospital and then I would call in to Rich's show and do a funny recap every day. And finally, was it Pollock who was the, uh, the consultant at the time? <clears throat> yeah, Pollock. And uh, I guess he told Harry, he's like, whoever this guy is should be your morning show. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I don't know what a morning show is. You know, I mean, I had some brief history of listening to the guys on She driving to high school in the morning, but I don't, I wasn't one of those guys who grew up listening to some famous DJ 
in my hometown. That wasn't oh, like, my- like I did with Paul Castronovo. Right? Seriously, don't. Yeah. No. <laughs> absolutely, man. You were That's- the voice of my coming of age, man. At the wow. end of high school, then I went to BCC and just full throttle into the rock scene, going to every show. Yeah. You guys in the morning, all your events. I mean, that's a huge part of my life. That got me when I was at UF. That got me into Rock 104 and to want to do that. Well, wait a second. I'm trying to think. What years were you at Rock 104? Probably 98, 99, 2000. Oh, okay. So you're considerably younger. Well, that's nice to hear, man. That's great. Um, I remember we did have that Gator thing. You were, Was it she that we worked together? No, it was Zeta. It was, it was Zeta. Zeta. Okay, Zeta. Yeah, I would, send, yeah, I would yeah. send Paul boxes of like 104 swag all the time yeah send them emails and keep them up to date and then when i was ready to graduate i say hey paul i'm gonna graduate and he responds he says all right send me a demo i send him a demo i swear to god maybe a week later and it's one of the highlights of my life Uh, i'm in my apartment at uf and i get an email from greg Steele, who at the time is like god in the rock industry right yeah he was one of the most i still i'm still friendly with him and he was one of the he was program director of 94.9 zeta at the time which was one of the hottest stations of the country yeah yeah and uh, all it said was got your stuff from paul when can you start <laughs> i love that story unreal unreal never i've never yeah, had man, that feeling since you look out for your fellow gators i don't care i mean that's one of the great you know those commercials go gators where the guys walk around and uh, go get it's true man you see a gator in, I've seen gators in Italy and we'll walk up and we'll be talking for hours. It's the best thing ever. It is. It is really nice. I had to move to Georgia for my job. I'm sorry. And they don't like me much here. I'm either wearing gators or Yankee yeah. stuff, right? But right. I swear I wear gator stuff to, to Publix and I'll get two or three go gators. Beautiful. All the time. Good, good, good. I'm surprised they don't throw stuff at you in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm up in Virginia. I see gators all the time. Is that right? Well, yeah, it's, a, it's pretty cool, man. It's a pretty cool thing. You know, my my favorite thing in the world is that when I got <clears throat> that honor uh, put in the Journalism School Hall of Fame, I I really, I cried. I mean, it to me was, you, you know, you put in all this effort and you get a recognition from your college where it all started. But the best thing is they put me on that rotating digital screen on the third floor, my picture's up there, and every day my kid would have to get off the elevator and see his dad staring. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> That's great. So you get the morning show on 104, right? Harry just gives it to you? Is that how it happened? Uh, you know, I did I did a couple of overnight shows. Okay. Yeah, I mean, first, just to, and but I was always doing bits and stuff. And then, you know, I don't remember. I guess whoever was doing the mornings uh, before me graduated, you know, and one of the, you know, it's, the timeline is a little bit difficult considering I've been, I've been doing this a while. But uh, yeah, I got the morning show. And then, you know, D- David Steele, the voice of the Orlando Magic, and he was the voice of the Gators for a little while, uh, was my sports guy, as well as Larry Vittell. The, uh, sure, it, Larry it, Vittell. Larry's still around. Uh, I don't know where. I, you know, you lose touch with these guys. And But, but you know, it was Harry. I mean, Harry Harry, Harry believed in me. You know, I, I, I wasn't very good. I was goofy, but they let us. You know, that's the beauty of Rock 104. They let us grow. I mean, it was a, a professional radio station run by adults. You know, but the but kids were you know the lunatics were running the asylum behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you remember? Maybe before your time, there was a well. No, it is definitely he was dead by the time you got there, Spano. But the general manager in in the eighties was a guy named Bob Leach. No, now, Bob Leach, Bob Le- he he was a tough nut, and he, you know, you don't want to speak ill will about the dead, but him I would. He had a, <laughs> in radio we have a thing called the hotline. 
and the hotline is the is the conduit to the studio. So when the hotline rings, you got to grab it because it's usually the boss. Well, he's his deal was if he called the hotline and you didn't pick it up on the first ring, you were fired. And I swear to God, we would wow. panic. We would panic because what if you have to go to the bathroom? And he would call all hours of the night. He would get hammered and just call. It was, I mean, I'm never, the stress, man. Did you, did you ever answer on the second ring and say, uh, this is Rich Fields? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did get fired, by the way, from that job. And I don't know if you guys know that story, but it is. It goes I was going to ask you about that because I've heard stories over the years. Does it involve a news girl and a cow? Boy, you nailed it. Yes, it did. And I told that story on stage uh, at my induction to the, uh, to the, <laughs> you know, it sounds worse than it, it when I explain it. It's <laughs> when I, when I got inducted into the hall of fame, I told that story. They probably wouldn't have inducted me had they known it. Linda Gray uh, was the woman in question. And that was her name. And every day during my show, now I did mornings the entire time, my senior year, they're like, Hey, you want to do afternoons? I'm like, yes, I want to go out and don't want to wake up at six o'clock in the morning. Sure. So I shifted to afternoons and in the afternoon, they ran this thing called university update. And it sounded like this. This is university update. I'm Linda Gray. Today at noon, there's an African studies group in, you know, it was just ponderous and boring and five minutes right in the middle of Led Zeppelin and whatever. So Tommy Griffiths, uh, who was, he did nights on rock one Oh four. You should get Tom on. He, he'd be a great guest. I might add. Uh, And Tommy and I were, we ended up doing mornings together in Nashville, Tennessee, and in Orlando at uh, Q96. So we did a crossover, and he would come in, and we would play this stupid thing, and we would play sound effects during this <laughs> university update. And one day you'd hear a car horn, and another day you would, it was just people walking, just dogs barking. And one day in the sound effects library, we had the sound effect of a guy milking a cow. And you hear him go, come on, Bessie, whoop, and, and you hear <laughs> <laughs> anyway, about an hour later after my show, I'm at home. The phone rings. <clears throat> Paul, did you play the sounds of a cow underneath the uh, Linda Gray? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bit, you know, yeah, you need to come down here. You're fired. Oh. And I'm like, why? Well, I had never met Linda Gray. It was a cart. It was just a cart. Apparently the woman was large and oh. they thought, I, honest to God, I swear on my life. I had never met, never seen her. It was just playing it. It, was, it could have been the sound of a fire truck, but that day we played a guy milking a cow, and they, honest to God, thought I was mocking this poor woman who I never met in my life. Ugh. Yep. <laughs> so what happens when you uh, when you get fired? Are you st- still a student? <laughs> yeah, I graduated a couple yeah. months later, and, um, you know, I had hours and hours of cassette tapes, and I gave demo tape to Rich Fields, and he edited it for me, and I started sending them out. But I started the show off, with the opening uh, went today with the opening of that was on my demo tape. I, I did on the opening of my demo that got my career started was rock one Oh four North central Florida's home of rock and roll. Sammy Hagar. There's only, and I said it like this, there's only one way to rock, <laughs> <laughs> which I would never do in, in a million years now, but I was a kid. I was 21. Paul, did you include the Linda gray cow sounds on your demo tape? I wish I had it to this oh, day. Oh, it would have been great. Yeah. One of my, you know, I got fired <laughs> I got fired once in radio because I called up Shirley Jones from the Partridge family and put her on the air without her permission. Her husband, Marty Engels, sued me for invasion of privacy, and I got fired for that. Oh, wow. But, you know, you 
that was early on. And I bounced, you know, you bounce around and then you find your market, you marry it. And uh, somehow I ended up in Miami, which is where I always wanted to be. You know, I grew up down, down in South Florida and it was, uh, it was the right thing. I, I played my, I thought, I really thought I was going to be in Orlando. You know, that was a good market for me. You know, I was in Florida, close enough to the family and everything else, close to Gainesville. I loved it. But Miami was where I needed to be. Is that the place you got fired from? Yeah. Okay. It was Shirley Jones. You know, yeah. in Orla- yeah. we had a bit. I had a I had a bellhop who worked at a, one of the great Disney. I can't remember which hotel it was. And I would give him concert tickets. And he would tell me whenever a celebrity was in town. And this is during the era of the celebrity morning wake-up call. There was a DJ in Chicago named Jonathan Brandmeier who got famous doing those. So I would I, I stole the idea. And we whenever he would call up and go, hey, uh, Walter Cronkite's in room 420. And I would call a hotel, I, and I, you know, more, I got them all on the air, and, but one sued me. Oh, oh, man. That's all right. Before we move on from 104, <laughs> yeah. uh, do you have any, did you do any remotes there? Do you have any, any stories about remotes or, or any events? I did one remote in my entire time, and it was at a mattress store uh, on, on 34th Street. And I, I, I remember I, we gave away ticket. We stayed there. It was one of those remotes where you stay there all day. Like we laid in the bed and we, you know, we're live here. We're going to be here all day. And yeah, that, yeah, it wasn't a big, uh, we didn't do a lot of live remotes. I mean, I've had a few over the years of my career. Sure. Sure. I don't want to move on from one Oh four before I ask you about the morning show. When you came in, were the guys, was there any consistency from the guys who were there before you, or was it you and somebody else brand new? Uh, like you started a new morning show. It was just, I think it was Ken Corey. His name is Ken Altschuler before me. And then Ken, I don't know what happened. I don't know why he was not on mornings anymore, but I came in and took over mornings. I I recall, you know, it's a, again, a blur. Yeah. You know, I, and there was not, but they weren't doing a, any bits. It was just music show. Okay. You know, I think Rock 104 started in in 80, I believe, or <clears throat> or even 81. You might know better than me if you've done the that research. sounds about right. I mean, for the people that are reaching out to us, that sounds about right. So I was like probably the first morning show they ever had. They might have had a local DJ on, but yeah. What's that like then? Are you, I mean, are you panicking? Or are you like, I've got to put together a show. What am I going to do? I don't know. I, I didn't know what a show was. I would, cause I'd never heard like a, a real goofy character driven morning show. So I would, I would do voices. I would do fake commercials and do stuff that I saw on Saturday night live. And I would do it on the morning. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of pressure for a college student, but I didn't know that what the pressure was. And you know, I remember they were like, we're going to go over the ratings now. And I didn't know what ratings were. I mean, I was so green and that's probably better off had I really known what I was up against. And I don't, you know, I don't think Gainesville had a morning show, but I can't remember who it was on Kiss. Um, Oh, I know who it was a girl named Julie. And I used to call her. I was hit on her. And I, <laughs> <laughs> she was like, we had each other's hotline and we met and <laughs> I know it's terrible. I heard that years later, she became a traffic, when she graduated, she became a traffic reporter over in Jacksonville and died in a helicopter crash. Honest to God. There's a big downer. Sorry about that, folks. Yep. (laughs) Paul Downer. Uh, So you go, uh, you go back to South Florida, right? And you get in at 
103 sheet? Well, I had only rock and roll. My, my demo tape was really, really good. And I came back home and I, I started listening and I realized that the, the guys on WSHE were really good. The, uh, and that was the main rock station. There was also Zeta 4, which was kind of a hippie station. And there was K102, which was called the Rock of the 80s. And I listened and I said, I can break in on this radio station. I know I'm good enough to be on this station afternoon, weekends, over whatever. And the program director's name was Neil Mursky. And uh, I got a hold of him and I'm like, hey, uh, I just graduated Rock 104. I, I think I could work at your station. Well, I sent 8,000 demo tapes. And he would always just give me to run around. And then I pulled a Seinfeld move. I um, like, remember when, uh, when Jerry showed up at the girl's apartment uh, at the, at her office building. Yeah. This episode, season two. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Well, so I went to the radio station and waited for him to come out for lunch. <laughs> and I had a sport coat on and a tie. And I said, Neil Mursky, I'm Paul Castronovo. He's like, Oh God, you left me a hundred thousand messages. And I go, can you do me a favor and just try to listen to that tape? And uh, before I got home, he had uh, left me a message on my answer machine saying, I'm sorry I didn't listen sooner. I got a job for you. Nice. So that job was overnights. And then I immersed myself in the radio station and showed up at a uh, at a company softball game where they had a microphone and a speaker set up. And I picked up the microphone and I started doing play-by-play. And by the end of that weekend, I was the host of the morning show. Nice. <laughs> Three months later, Neil, who loved me, uh, said, look, you're really not good enough to do mornings in Miami. I, but I, lo- I, I found you a job. And I'm like, oh, I'm firing you, but I found you a job. You leave for Madagascar in the morning. I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes, I got you a job as a DJ on a cruise ship and you, and you go to Madagascar. <laughs> I, I, what, what are you, what? <laughs> and I was devastated, man. I was crushed. I was, you know, I was, I was doing morning news and with another guy. I, I'd never done news in my life, but when they ask you, can you do news? You go, yeah, of course. So upon that day, I drove straight to WSHE and I walked in, I go, I'm the morning guy at K102. They just fired me. Do you have anything? And they made me the production director, which was uh, a really, uh, a really cool job for me because I got to do really creative commercials and promos for the radio station. And they stuck me on weekends. It was the perfect opportunity for me to learn how to do the job. Now, they also, about a year in, they said, hey, we need some somebody to host the night show on Saturday. And and this Tom Griffiths, who I mentioned earlier, and I got the show. It was called the WSHE Saturday Night Party. It was 103 songs in a row with no commercials. <clears throat> and we just rolled tape and took phone calls and talked to, you know, this is back when night radio was a big deal. And, it had ratings and people, yeah, there was nothing else. This is where you got your music. And we were pretty damn funny. And one night on a Saturday night, I was uh, on the air and we were taking calls. All right, WSHE, Saturday night party, you're on the air. And the guy goes, stop the tape player. I'm like, that's not, I never heard that from a caller. He goes, uh, I'm a program director and I've listened to you guys every Saturday night for the last month. I want to hire you as my next morning show. So um, we were like, whoa, cool. And he gives us his number. And the next day we met this guy and he wouldn't tell us what the market was. Nigeria. <laughs> it was Orlando. No, it was Q96, <laughs> but we, but he wouldn't tell us, you yeah. know, we meet the, and he and I, Tommy and I were roommates at the time and uh, we're like, okay, 
but this guy wants to hire us for mornings, but where is it? What if it's in Buffalo, you know? And, but, uh, you know, we, I don't know what, I guess he had a show and he hadn't fired him yet and he had to get approval to hire us. So he did. And, uh, and, and the, that's the, he and Tommy and I did mornings together for a couple of years. We ended up going to, from Orlando to, uh, to Nashville. And then we got fired in Nashville. I ended up in Birmingham. I, I've done the Southeastern conference tour apparently. <laughs> and my agent said, I have, you know, after Birmingham, I have you a job and honestly got Buffalo. I said, I'm not going to Buffalo. <laughs> and I said, I need to go back to Miami. And I was working that program director because at this time there was no Stern. Uh, I don't believe. And Herman and McBean, who were the big morning show were on a different station and there was just an opportunity and uh, they were, they were, they didn't have a clever, fun morning show. And I got to the program director. I sent him my stuff. He's like, you're pretty good. Why don't you drive down here? We'll see how dedicated you are. And I drove from Birmingham to WSHE and he wouldn't see me. Oh, oh you know, that feeling uh, crushed. Uh, but I came back again. He's, he's like, well, I just wanted to test your metal. See if, see if what you're, you know, I'm like, good God. So he's like, come back. Well, this time my parents paid for a flight. I came down and he meets, he goes, I want you to meet our midday guy. You guys might have some chemistry. And that was Ron Brewer, who I yes. spent 28 years with as a, as a team, Paul and young Ron. And we went out to dinner with the program director, the, the promotion director. This was back when we used to have staffs, um, the sales manager. And we, the two of us, it was instant. It, I, I was needling him and we ended up, that's what our show was. It was like the big guy, the little guy, me picking on him, but funny. And, um, and we ended up because, you know, that show lasted 28 years, man. I tell you, it was, it's been unbelievable. I want to ask about the last time you got fired. Was there any, how high was your confidence in yourself? Well, again, that was the last time I got fired was 1984. So did you waver at all? Did did, was there any point where you think, you know what, maybe this isn't it. I got to look for something else or this is no, not that was it. Once I tasted morning radio, I knew, I, I knew that's what I had to do. I knew I had, I knew I was decent at it. I was so green. I, I took me a good, I'd say 15 to 18 years before I felt comfortable. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty damn good at it now, but I get, you know, that whole 10,000 hours thing, but I didn't know how to talk to comedians. I mean, there's such a learning curve. That's why we all get fired so so many times early on. We don't know what we're doing. We say stupid things. You know, there's other DJs around that have said a lot dumber things than me and been fired way more than me. So I, I feel like I figured it out. That's probably because of my Gator upbringing. But I mean, like, you know, idiots like Bubba the Love Sponge and whatnot. You know, you just blow their killer careers up for what? To be edgy? Yeah. You know. Who were your... Who were your um big influences or idols in radio, even not just before you got started as a professional, but along the way, were there people that you, you know, you know, it was Letterman. David, it was David Letterman. Yep. Uh, I, I really thought I could be him. I loved his edgy sarcasm. Uh, it was Carson and Letterman. And I just, you know, I obviously, you know, I've been on the radio so long even throughout Howard Stern's entire career, I've been on the air. So I really didn't get to listen to these guys because I did mornings. Yeah. And, and not until 
uh, Howard was doing satellite. I could learn to appreciate what he's done. I mean, I don't think there's anybody that does interviews better than Stern. You know, I mean, he's just, yeah. Say what you will. He's the man. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I, Sonny Fox was a, a, a morning radio personality in the eighties. And when I was doing the overnight show on, on K one Oh two, I would drive back and listen, go drive home and listen to this show. And I was like, Oh my God, that's the only time I wavered. I heard how good they were, how polished and how fantastic. And I was like, how am I ever going to be that talented and good? But eh, you, you pay your dues. But at the same time, are you thinking well, I could do that? I could, I can do what this person's doing. I can incorporate what I like about this person when I get back. Oh, I stole all sorts of ideas. Yeah. I mean, you know, what Sonny always did was he'd be like uh, doing a Sonny Fox Y100. Who's on the phone? And then it would be Ronald Reagan or Sylvester Stallone. And I borrowed that <laughs> using a kind word. I stole the hell out of that. But it wasn't anything that wasn't done in the 1940s either in the early days of radio. Yeah. Oh, look who's behind the door. You know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned uh, making a run for SNL. What was that? When, when, when did that happen? Well, I didn't make the run because I didn't. Oh. Uh, you know, that, that story is I, I, I didn't know what the I wanted to be a cast member on Saturday Night Live. No one knew how to do that. I didn't know what I was. I didn't know about acting. I didn't know about Second City or the Groundlings or any of those things. So that's why when I went to the TV state at UFT, I thought, well, I can start doing some funny stuff on camera and someone will discover me. You know, and, and over the years, I've met a lot of the cast members of Saturday Night Live and many of them have said, man, you would have been great on our show. I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Too late now. I'm friggin' 60. Well, you have done TV, right? You've done a little yeah, TV. I've done a bunch of TV in Miami. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a show on um, in the early 90s called Dot Com. And it was, the, uh, it was a new show. It was explaining... Every week, we're going to feature some new stuff, new websites that have hit the internet. <laughs> you imagine this? And we would go on and go, today on .com, there's a website called blah, blah, blah. And I would, so anyway, they, get, they after about five episodes, they call me and they go, uh, yeah, we got to cut you loose. We hired somebody else to host the show, Mark Hamill. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't feel bad about losing a gig to Mark Hamill. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, that was, you know, I, I really think that uh, Saturday Night Live would have been a cool, I've listened to, uh, I don't know if you ever heard the Fly on the Wall podcast, and it's oh, yeah. David oh, yeah. Spade and, and, and uh, Carvey, and listening to the stories of how these guys ended up on SNL, so many different ways, but all of them had acting chops and, and, and had an act, and they went to the Second City or the Groundlings, and they got discovered that way. So that was not my background. Had I done high school theater, which I probably should have done. Maybe that would have happened again, zero regrets. I got a beautiful house. You know, I got a nice boat. I got a good family. I thought, okay. And I haven't been fired in 40 years. <laughs> it's funny. You brought up fly on the wall because, and I think I talked to somebody else about this, but maybe not on, uh, during the podcast, that is the podcast that inspired this podcast because we said that was that was our experience, just not on a you know national TV stage, but we had, we were coming, people were coming and going to this radio station. You know, Harry was the Lauren Michaels, and we all got hired and had our auditions and went on to do other things. And that, I, when I started listening to Fly on the Wall, I was like, we could really make a podcast for Rock 104 and AMA 50 out of this. Genius. You know, I, I feel like it's a weird thing because, you know, when you graduate, you really don't keep 
in touch with the other people on Rock 104. I mean, I'm friendly with some of the guys still that were around when I was there, like Ken Altschuler and Rich Fields. Uh, John Brownlee, he was the best-sounding jock I ever heard in my life. I was nervous to even be in the same room with him. He was that talented. And I hadn't seen him in 25 years, and I was I was in Panama at, the, at a fishing lodge called the Tropic Star Lodge. And I'd been fishing all day, and I went up to get in the pool afterwards and cool off and have a cocktail. And I look up, and John Brownlee was in the pool. And you know, like, what? In the middle of the jungle in Panama. So we've been friends. Uh, you know, he, he went into the fishing industry. He's a big rider. And, uh, you know, some of the guys, you know, Rich Fields went on to get on um, uh, The Price is Right. And my friend Ken Altschuler, Ken Corey, went into the printing industry. And Harold Minch became a cop. Uh, Greg Hammer or Greg Hamra, he's in Miami. I just saw him recently. I don't know what he does for work, but we ran into each other at a Miami Dolphin event. It's kind of cool. Uh, you know, I'm still, you know, in touch with some of these people. Barbara Sands, I don't know if you guys remember Barbara. Uh, her name was Barbara Groth in real life. Her radio name at Rock 104 was Barbara Sands. Went on to work for Disney. I was, uh, I met her, her, her brother and I are now really good friends and I'm business partners with him. Oh, that's awesome. She became one of those Imagineers and now she's got some giant company. So there, it's, you know, University of Florida, man, goes back to that. Did you ever play, and I figure you probably had, when you're out in Gainesville, uh, and you're at a club or a bar. How often did you use the card that you're on? Hey, I'm I'm Paul from oh, Rock 104. I'm in, I'm in the. Uh, did you use that card? I'm in the J School Hall of Fame. It, no big well, deal. Not now, Dan. Not now, but back no, no, no. Married. Now I want to know now. He's been up there for his for his son. I'm sure nobody cares now. And I, 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 truth is, I um, one, I did it once. I was I met some girl at a gas station. I was buying beer. And I don't know what I said. I'm Paul Castronovo from Rock 104. And she said, yeah, right. I date Paul Castronovo. I go, <laughs> what? And that's what I said. What are you talking about? She goes, I've been dating him for the whole semester. And I go, I pulled out my driver's license. I go, really? Because it's me. Some guy was saying he was me. Wow. I, yeah. yeah. Oh. Now, fast forward. I have used the, it's Paul, I'm Paul Castanovo countless times to get in restaurants, <laughs> bars, <laughs> Panther hockey games, you name it. I, you know, Hey, look, man, use what you got. I mean, I, there's no shame in that. Hey, speaking of Panthers, speaking of the Panthers, and I know um, we're running short on time here, but your time when you get to Zeta, right? You, Paul and young Ron, yep. you moved from 103 to 94.9 Zeta. Is that how it went? We went from she to, to 94.9 Zeta in 95. Yep. And Zeta switched to uh, like an active rock powerhouse at that point. Greg Steele mm -hmm. takes is there and um, describe that time in your life hosting, uh, you know, getting your feet in the ground in the market like that on a station that's just going to take off. You know, how, how were you feeling at that point? You know, it's funny. I was always a music DJ playing songs and, and Greg Steele, the program director, I remember he said, he goes, why don't you guys try dropping some music? I think your, your ratings will get even bigger. And I never had anybody say that. And that was, I was nerve wracking. I'm like, what do you mean? What am I going to say? And we ended up, you know, we dropped one song, we dropped two. And then before I knew it, I was doing a full blown talk show and building confidence all at the same time. And I don't know what made me do it, but embracing the locals, because I was a huge sports fan, granted we were rock radio, but I became the voice of them. You know, it was a, it was a great time. The Marlins were hot. The Panthers were hot. The Dolphins were doing well. And I just was the guy. And 
You know, I, I got to, I got to, when the Panthers had their celebration after the Stanley Cup finals in 96, I'm the guy on the ice handing out trophies to the team. Uh, when they had their victory parade, I was the guy on the lead boat with the microphone. I, I was the, there. The, I was there. Were, the Marlins World Series parade. I'm on the DVD. All those things blow me away. And I, you know, just remembering this stuff now, I, it was a crazy time. And I will say this, it ain't the same, boys. It ain't the same. You know, I got consultants and this and and we got we're going up against podcasts and cell phones and satellites and everything else and and PPM blows and you know. I remember waking up and hearing music during your show. Yeah. I guess uh it was a new PD and and they had had you add some song I was pissed. <laughs> Man, I, mean, was, I didn't want I didn't want to hear music during the Paul Cast Paul and Young Ron show. I've been saying the same thing for the last 3 or 4 years, but I don't you know, I don't own the station, so I'm going to keep collecting my paycheck and doing what I can in between the songs. I, uh, I'm, you know, I'm what 63 and people ask me, when are you going to retire? I'm like, well, I have no other skills. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple of investments, but you know, we'll see. I just like, I, I like, I don't know what I would do other than drive my wife crazy. If I wasn't on the radio in the morning. Yeah. You can't fish yeah. every day. Can you? No. I mean, it's, um, it seems like it, it's kind of thing just keeps you going. It's not manual labor. So right. why? I still stop? have the energy. I, I certainly, um, you know, I, I have two people at where I work with in, in Mike Anderson, my producer, co-host and Heather Nelson, who are both 40. So they, they young up, they, they keep me honest and, and keep me, you know, I'm, and I've gotten pretty good on social media as far as, uh, editing and whatnot goes. So I'm staying, I'm going to stay relevant. You know, I'm not, I, I don't want to be a dinosaur. Yeah. Sure. Last question for you, and we'll let you go. What's your advice to students who are in school now who are interested in a in a career in some form of media? Go into real estate development. No, I um, <laughs> you know, I I think that you, if you're in school, make sure. And I this is advice that I got, and I I think the reason my son is not in broadcasting anymore is because he went to school during the pandemic, and they didn't have the opportunity that I did, which was to hang out at the radio station and work. They weren't allowed in the building or any of the studios. So the one piece of advice is while you're in school work, get your experience during those three, four years, whatever it is, because you're going to graduate and the person with the experience is going to be that much further along. And that it played, it paid for me. So if you're, if you want to be a sports journalist, then make sure you go there and hang out and find out what you can cover. Right. Uh, do what you can while you're there and it'll give you a leg up on your future, I guess. Yeah. Very good. I appreciate that advice. Thanks so much, uh, Paul. It's been really nice to talk to you. I don't want it to end. I really don't. I feel like (laughs) if it ends that it's, um, no one's, (laughs) let's all keep in touch, man. I'm really touched. Let's talk about real quick, the uh, hall of fame, UF hall of fame. How did that come about? How did they notify you? You were even up for it. Oh man. Well, it was, um, in 2013, it was not the hall of fame. It was alumni of distinction. And I got an email from uh, Diane McFarland, the, the dean, and she said, hey, we, you know, the journalism school would like to honor you uh, as an alumni of distinction. I'm like, you're kidding me. And it was me and Mike Bianchi uh, from the uh, Orlando Sentinel and a couple of others that I can't recall at the time. And they had a big dinner and, and I, my family, we all flew in. And <laughs> do you have time for a 30 second story? Yeah, of course. So I booked a flight from Miami uh, to Gainesville. My wife and my two sons and myself, my parents had driven up and uh, the dinner was Friday night at seven o'clock. 
So I get to the airport, Miami, American Airlines flight, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it looks like we're delayed for an hour. And anyway, they kept delaying it, kept delaying it. And you know what happens after the delay at three times? Of course, it gets canceled. Now I'm, I'm outside the window that I can drive to make the dinner on time. I checked every airline, Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach. I can't get to Gainesville. I'm going to miss my dinner. Oh. I freaking chartered a plane for $5,000. Nobody knows this. $5,000. <laughs> because I could not miss arguably the most important career moment of my life. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine dropping 5G? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think it'd be more today, but it was the best thing I ever did, man. We, we pulled in like Jay-Z, flew into Gainesville Airport like a rock star. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and he picked me up and flew me home the next on, on Sunday. It was great. Nice. Um it's just it's just money. You'll make more. Yeah, my wife was like, just do it, you know? Yeah. Let's just let's just do it. And it, it it we were stressed out, you know, but but that was a uh that was a great day. And anyway, so years later, uh someone said, Hey, uh, the University of Florida wants to come on your show and they want to make an announcement. I'm like, Well, of course. And the announcement, they sent someone down from the dean's office and they showed up and they brought me this plaque and a medal. And it's like, we've started something new. It's, it's the University of Florida Hall of Fame. I started crying on the air like, wow. They blind? My producers knew, but they didn't tell me. And yeah, and they had all, they had Rich Fields on the phone. They had uh, Ken Altschuler on the phone. And we had, you know, all the, all the guys from Rock 104 that were my buddies. And yeah, man, I'm in the Hall of Fame with, uh, you know, Aaron Andrews. That's pretty bad. Pretty badass. It, it is. is. By That's the awesome. way, still haven't met her. <laughs> I would think that we're in the Hall of Fame together. That she and I should be texting. I'm just saying. If we ever get her on, I'll ask her about That's it. That's hilarious. Yeah. She um, was actually there when we were there. No kidding. Did you ever see her in person? I must have, but I think she was on air at the same time as me for a little while. And then we graduated at the same time. We both worked at Turner together. Wow. And I've, the only time I remember ever talking to her was at Turner, just once. Speaking of of hall of fames. I got a really cool honor. Zach Thomas invited me to go to the uh, NFL hall of fame induction ceremony this summer. And my wife and I are beside ourselves. You know, that's amazing. I've been friendly with Zach, but you know, Hey buddy, Hey buddy, how's it going, man? We'd ride bikes together occasionally, but for that to happen, you know, I mean, there, look at, look at, look at Spano's (laughs) got the, uh, the Zach Thomas Jersey. Wow. So I, yeah, I feel the same way about him, by the way. I was going to say, I, I absolutely, feel the same way. man. It's about time. About time. About right? time. Yeah. I mean, and Zach is a prince. He's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Sorry for going long today, fellas, but I have a lot to, I had a lot to cover. <laughs> no, this is great. <laughs> Don't mind it at all. Yeah. Absolute uh, pleasure, man. Yeah. So nice of you to be so generous with your time. It's really nice to get to know you and, uh, and maybe we will be able to do this again. Maybe we well, can do a part. Let's, let's, let's say this. I mean, I've had season tickets for 34 years. I still go to all the games except Maybe an uh, early August, uh, you know, week noon game. Uh, but I go to most of the games. So why don't we meet in Gainesville and, and and meet at a bar and have dinner on me? I would love to do that. Absolutely, I would love to. Okay, yeah, absolutely. that'd be amazing. Let me know when you guys are going to be there. I mean, I you got I'm a few hours south. You know, they got the new train. I'm going to take the train. Nice. Oh yeah, the nice. bright line from Boca to Orlando, and then my brother-in-law will pick me up in Orlando. We go straight to Gainesville. Boom. I would hope I was hoping you'd charter a plane for me. Th- those days are over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Go Gators. All right, Paul. Thanks thank so you, much, sir. Paul. Take care. If you'd like to be a guest on an upcoming episode, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or email us at don't tap the glass podcast at gmail.com.